This is an ABC podcast. 1,806,000 Australian workers have been stood down and another 718,000 are unemployed. That's according to ABS stats from April. When announcing his JobMaker program, Prime Minister Scott Morrison told us, quote, we will all have to retrain to live and work in a way that creates a sustainable, COVID-safe economy and society. But what are those jobs and how do you make that change? Should you work well below your pay grade? Reskill, as he says, and pivot your career. Into what? What are your options in a seemingly bleak employment landscape? On This Working Life, we've brought together an entrepreneur, psychologist and a career coach to share their combined wisdom. So if you or someone you know has been stood down or has lost their job in this pandemic, please keep listening. I'm Lisa Leong. First up, Adam Jacobs. You may know one of his businesses, the online fashion retailer, The Iconic. Most recently, Adam has come up with an innovative response to the challenge of redeployment, which actually involved pivoting one of his businesses. Adam, tell me about Hatch Exchange. Um, So Hatch as a platform is a a digital solution that for the last couple of years has been connecting university students to paid work experience. And the way we do that is by having a look not at what they're studying or their grades, but more at their underlying competencies and traits and motivators and really what makes them them, you know, what makes them human. And and what we saw towards the start of the COVID-19 period was all the organizations that we'd been connecting university students to so that they can gain great experience and, you know, figure out where they want to start their careers. All those organizations were being really significantly impacted by COVID-19 Either they were needing to stand down a large portion of their workforce or they needed to grow very quickly due to new demand. Um, And they said to us, look, the technology that you've built to place students based on their underlying transferable strengths and abilities, might you be able to use that same technology to place stood down workers very quickly into new parts of the economy where they're needed, even though those jobs are really different to what they're doing right now? And that's where the Hatch Exchange came from. You know, in the last two months, we've had over 400 employers asked to join, representing about 150,000 stood down workers. Uh, 11,000 of them have registered for redeployment. They're from companies like Qantas or Virgin or Flight Center. Um, And we've so far placed about 600 of them into new jobs that still draw on their same underlying strengths and abilities that they've built over their, their experience in their career so far, but actually place them into totally new types of work and allow them to use their talent in new ways. So what types of companies are hiring and then what are the other types of companies that are standing down employees, just to give us a flavour? Sure. I mean, to start with the ones that are standing down, as you might imagine, it's really related to industries that have been heavily impacted by lockdown policies. So that would include uh, tourism and travel for example, Flight Center, Qantas Virgin would include retail, for example, Cotton On, Country Road, David Jones uh, would include hospitality and tourism such as um, Merivale and Intercontinental Hotels. And then a lot of the arts and sports industries have been heavily impacted. So we've seen, you know, everyone from the NRL to AFL to Netball Australia, 
as well as um, you know many many great galleries and um, theaters and arts and entertainment industries. In terms of who's who's hiring, um, what we're seeing is it started with essential services. So it started with, for example, government contact centers supporting people with queries during COVID nineteen food supply chains in logistics and delivery uh, or um, care work in terms of disability care or aged care. But now what we're seeing more of in terms of who's hiring are teams that need more technology and digital capabilities. You know, what's effectively happening right now is organizations are pivoting the majority of their business to digital and online channels because everybody's remote and everybody's transacting remote. And to do that, they need to bolster their capabilities in the technology and digital space in particular. So we're seeing a big need for those capabilities. Ah, so this is interesting because the companies that you've named, they do feel very different, don't they? And so you've mentioned that uh, you actually go rather than for the direct skills, these underlying interests. So can we unpack a bit um, what that means? What are the most important transferable skills that companies are looking for right now? Sure. Look, I, th- I think there's a bit of a myth around what skills are required to work in the what, what I would call the digital value chain. And the digital value chain are all the families of jobs and capabilities required to support a digital business model. Now, not all of those capabilities are in technology. Many of them are in service areas. Online business models require customer service being delivered over the phone or over chat or you know, a range of different mediums. Um, And so we are particularly seeing service-oriented transferable skills being required in new areas. Another capability that's quite important for the technology space is problem-solving and critical thinking. You know, the the myth I like to think about is that working in technology means um, becoming very analytical and robotic in our processes. In fact, a lot of creativity and empathy uh, and human problem-solving is required in technology teams to really understand how to deliver a solution for a human end user. Um, and so someone who's, de- who's developed really great problem-solving skills, for example, in a retail management job would certainly be able to apply them, for example, in a digital marketing job, different arena, but still unpacking problems that impact end users or end customers. Let's hear from Jess now, who's made the change from customer-facing to online. I was stood down about just under two months ago and indefinitely. So my name is Jess Powell and I used to be a travel consultant with Flight Centre Travel Group. I am now working as a customer service specialist for an online uh, pet supplier company. Um, I transitioned from my old job to my new job using the Hatch Exchange program. Uh, The process took a maximum of about four days from the day that I was actually stood down to the day that I started with Pet Circle. I have learned a lot about dogs and cats and what collars they uh, need. So during this process, I've been able to um, realise just how adaptable I can be when push comes to shove. So being pushed out of my comfort zone and realising how quickly I was able to adapt into a new role and how much I'm loving it as well has been a really good eye-opener. That I'm not just sort of boxed into that one career, which is where I was at. I love my job as a travel agent, but I also love, I'm a bit of a pet lover. So it's good to get out there and try something new. Adam, so when it comes to upskilling, what should people be looking at based on the demand that you're seeing? 
Yeah, I think, I think the first thing to realize, and I think Jess put it really nicely right there, is that th there's this old idea from the 20th century that we develop skills at the beginning of our career, whether that be TAFE or university or high school, and then they're relevant for the rest of our career. Um, and we don't need to develop new skills beyond what we learn on the job throughout our career. That's no longer true. You know, what's really important now is that we're lifelong learners. The landscape of work is continuing to change rapidly. And the type of skills we need to develop on a year-to-year -year basis to play a meaningful role in our economy um, is, is evolving. And so I, th I think that's the first thing I would encourage is for people to think through that paradigm of being lifelong learners and to feel the permission that actually they don't need to sit within their one role area or one set of capabilities that they can, in fact, develop new ones and move into new types of employment. In terms of what are those types of skills, there's a range out there that are really required. Um, what we're seeing uh, is digital and technology skills are very much in demand. That might be social media, that might be customer service, that might be software engineering or digital design. We are also seeing a lot of care workers in demand, um, could be in home care, aged care, disability care. You know, they would be two areas I'd point out, but um, I think that there's a lot of pathways available for people and just getting out there and starting to understand what you might be interested in is, is a good place to start. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Lisa. Adam Jacobs, co-founder of business-to-business -business redeployment agency Hatch Exchange. So let's take a minute to learn from someone well-practiced in career pivots. Six months ago, Nigel Matthews resigned as general manager of a finance company to test the iconic saying, build it and they will come. I decided to uh, leave consulting and buy a boat building business, uh, which might sound a little bit of a, a jump, a little bit strange, but it, it was really about getting back to my roots and feeling like I was in control of my own destiny. I enjoy working with my hands and always have, and it really pulled together, I guess, a, a range of experiences in terms of my trade skills that I developed early on in my life and uh, all of my business skills that I've developed over the last 20 years. Some of the pivots that I've made, I guess, to go from leaving school to working in a corporate AXX environment and uh, back into you know owning my own business and, and boat building has, has been, it might not seem like a straight line, but there's lots of little dots that join those things together. After completing my trade and uh, moving off into other work, lines of work that involved sales, I was then able to take small steps each time that sort of pivoted me around in, in a range of different places, but ultimately led to me being the general manager of an ASX asset finance company. And that's where I really developed, I guess, all of the business skills and, and expertise along with some education. And from there, it seemed like a bit of a crazy jump, but uh, as it turns out, it's, it's actually not a step too far at all in terms of moving from that to boat building. Education and ongoing skilling, whether it's in a vocational format like TAFE or online, or whether it's more formal through university, and even if that's still online, is absolutely critical to be able to make those um, career changes, take those different steps in life. Um, I continually learn and, and continually learning. So in the last couple of years, I've completed vocational education. Uh, earlier in my career, I've done three different postgraduate qualifications. Uh, at the moment, I'm enrolled at TAFE in Sydney to complete a, um, a boat building course, which seems practical given that I've bought a boat building business. Listening in, uh, career mentor Kate Richardson 
and psychologist Rhonda Andrews. Rhonda, you've spent the last 30 years working with Australian and global organisations and individuals to mitigate complex and rapidly changing situations. Did even that prepare you for this, Rhonda? A very good question there, Lisa. It's been a very challenging time for everyone. And whilst every crisis and disaster is different, certainly this one where we've got a pandemic on top of some massive change due to bushfires in Australia, the communities were really struggling and hit again. And so I think that's been an extremely challenging and tough time for employers and also for staff. What did you think of Nigel's story? That whole transition is really important. And I'd like to go back to Adam's comment as well. We've seen some very good examples just recently where people have just really transitioned into totally different areas. And one that comes to mind that uh, has certainly started to get some real traction in May uh, has been looking at the travel industry. So when you're looking at flight crews, it's fascinating to see over in WA that they're really calling upon a lot of flight attendants and a lot of pilots because of their problem solving and critical thinking to actually be leaders in some project management. And so they're really offering them some fly in, fly out options. And so we're seeing some fantastic examples of that shift. And I guess if I share another one, which people might be blown away by, but when you look at the hospitality industry, and you look at the chefs and just their emotional engagement and passion and compassion with their customers and consumers, they're all about experience. And only recently I heard of an example where a shoe manufacturer in Australia has actually called upon a couple of chefs to assist in the marketing of how to actually shift from looking at the product to actually looking at the experience. And let's look at chefs because, um, you know, that's a, they would have been in a very creative industry, um, expressing themselves in a particular way. In your work counselling people like CEOs and chefs, um, how have they been going in terms of that transition and reimagining themselves? Yeah, I think it's been very mixed and really depends upon the individual style, also what's happened historically for them. So we're seeing some who have really adapted very well, so they cope with change, and particularly people who are entrepreneurial, innovative, very adaptable, they can really reconfigure themselves very quickly. Those who are more in line with uh, very much focused on professionalism, on more perfectionism, and see themselves as anything less than 100% perfection is a failure, some of those are really struggling in today's climate and what's going on. And so for us, we've been looking at how do we help them? How do we support them? Because it's not only transitioning their role and what they're doing for income, but it's also really looking at the way in which they see themselves. Mm. Now, Kate, can you tell me about one of your clients who was a global travel executive? Yes, I spoke to someone last week and he's a really senior person. He's had a stellar career in travel working all around the world and he's an example of someone who's returned to Australia at possibly the worst time and he's really been caught short and he's struggling to find 
any kind of role and he's actually helping out a friend in a deli. And I've spoken to a few people like that. I think particularly experienced senior executives are really struggling to find their place in, in the climate at the moment. And so what would your advice be to someone like that who really had to go down potentially in their own minds in status? My advice to him was to really focus on his network. So he was going through the standard process of applying for jobs online. I mean, that's that's the point at which he's at. But let's face it, only 1% to 2% of people actually secure a job through that online process. So my advice to him was to really cultivate um, and expand his network and also to find ways to exercise his identity in different contexts. So because, as you said, Lisa, status is such a, an important part of work and work is such a big part of our identity. If you can take the skills that you have or part of that identity that you have in work and find another place in which to exercise that, that can really help you manage the transition. So in this person's case, he was looking at doing a side project just as a way of kind of carrying things over for him during this time. And then how would you look at something like a side project in terms of your identity and how it might work with your life? Look, a side project is a great way to um, explore a career possibility. And that's one of the things about the 21st century career. And we've heard all about that today, that it's very much um, defined by um, mobility and the idea of, of a long-term career plan is just becoming much less relevant. You know, it's much more uh, important to lean into this idea of possibilities because when you can identify a, a few possibilities, you can actually explore and test them. And exploring and testing is actually what gives you a sense of what that career path might actually be like. And a side project can be a great way to do that. And that could be being part of a board, it could be in a volunteering capacity, or it could be starting a business of your own. Rhonda, you say that there are three key steps to getting back out into the market once you've sorted out your immediate issues like family finance. What are those three key steps? First step is actually, uh, and this is the, probably the biggest challenge for people, is for, uh, for them not to keep looking in what I call the rear view mirror. They need to not keep looking back at what they had, what was the job they had, how was it configured, what was the money, everything around it. And so it means that they need to start processing really the grief and loss and the anxiety of, of what's changed in their life around that. And that's very important because that's all about a first step of acceptance. Then what we find, once people have gone through that process, and quite rapidly, they can move into step two. And really, this is quite divergent. They can take two different ways here. We get some people who are saying, hey, this has now given me some real freedom to reinvent myself. And that's a bit what Kate's referring to there about the side project. You know, it's about being able to pursue something new and really utilize the skills in a different way. For others, that would just be far too anxious and far too tense. And so therefore, what we look at is people are saying, no, I want to stay with the type of skills I've got. So there we're saying to them, all right, let's look at this as a transition only. So see it as a mindset, as a leverage point and see it as an opening, exactly what Kate said, opening to new contacts, expanding your network. And then step three and this is the really critical one about mindset, is to really separate out what is a person's identity and link to the job they're doing. And so for us, we're really working with people on whatever that interim role may be, you are still who you are. 
you still maintain value and worth. And therefore, that's what we keep having people focus on is their value and worth because that gives them their confidence, that persistence of keep on trying and going out there and looking for different work opportunities. And Kate, have you found that, like many married people in the middle of the pandemic discovering they might not be in happy marriages, that many people have stood back, looked at their jobs and said, oh, actually, this is not for me. Yes, definitely, uh, Lisa. I think there's people who are rethinking their relationship to work and what they want their working life to look like, but there are also people who are re-evaluating their priorities and deciding that perhaps um, they want to embark on a new career. And I think people who are affected directly in industries like travel or media are being forced to actually think about how they might reinvent their career, at least in the short term. But there are also those people who may not necessarily make a shift straight away. They may be feeling a bit nervous about taking a risk, but they are are considering a post-pandemic pivot as a result of what's happened. Uh, and I'm actually running a survey at the moment right across the general population. And the data collected so far suggests that 40% of people agree with the statement, COVID-19 has made me pause and reflect on what I want from my career. So a crisis is very conducive to reflecting on work and the role that it plays in our life. And Rhonda, is this also what you're hearing amongst your clients? Yes, it is. It's paralleling what Kate's saying. And uh, I'd like to say that uh, I always say to people, uh, make use of a crisis because it's an opportunity for change and people are doing that right now. And whilst there's a lot of tension, whilst there's anxiety around it, um, people see change as a greater opportunity and easier to do when all the balls are up in the air. Kate, what's your advice for those who've been stood down or lost their jobs or trying to figure out what next? I think the first thing people need to do is get really clear on their values because when you know what your values are, it means that you'll make better decisions along the way. Uh, and the other thing is to know your strengths. When you know your strengths and you can articulate your value to um, people, that's when you can look for those transferable opportunities and find work uh, that really helps you be be your best. And I think the third thing is, as I said earlier, really leaning into this approach of possibilities. Forget the plan, the, the long-term mm -hmm. plan uh, is just not helpful right now. So keep thinking about how you can explore and test different possibilities, how you can expand your network. As Adam said, you know, become a lifelong learner. Uh, we're all going to be endless newbies. I think that's a, a nice quote by Kevin Kelly. So we must keep building those skills, but also just experimenting with different opportunities and, and finding those, those pathways. You know, today's 15-year-old Australian is likely to have 17 different jobs across five different careers. So this idea of transitioning and making changes throughout your working life is actually just becoming part of the fabric of, of work. And do you have a good example or a case study, Kate, on someone who's done that, really identified something burning within them, whether it be values or their skills or possibilities that have come through? Yes, I do. A, a client of mine who works in media was really curious about interior design and it was something that she'd always been interested in. She loved designing at home. So she started this process of exploring and testing by connecting and learning from friends who worked in the industry, by having conversations with the design schools. But most importantly, by putting herself forward to lead the interior design renovation of the offices of the media company that she worked in. So she took off her media hat and put on her design hat. And she actually did two major office renovations for two different companies. And only then did she start to look at it as a serious career option. Only then 
did she feel ready enough to invest in 12 months of full-time study because her confidence in her ability to build a career in design grew. And of course, when you're going through a process of transition, things change along the way. And in her case, in the end, she decided that the right path for her was a portfolio career that mixes design and media. And that's exactly what she's doing now. Thank you both. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Kate Richardson, Executive Coach and Career Mentor, and Rhonda Andrews, Managing Director and Senior Psychologist at the Barrington Centre. That's it from us, but remember, it's never too late to play business buzzword bingo. There's got to be some joy in the world in these tough times, and what brings more joy than bingo? Did I mention that I used to be a bingo caller? Two little ducks, quack, quack. The bingo card and instructions are on our program page and the beauty of podcasts is that you can listen again and again until you've picked up all the buzzwords. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts and enjoy the show, please do take the time to rate and review us. It really helps us get the word out. And thanks to our listener, Hamish, for getting in touch about The Buzzsaw, a free online service he came up with that cuts out jargon and buzzwords in press releases. His goal is to rid the world of the words and phrases that can be proven to get on people's nerves. Ambitious, right? The link is on our website. It's actually quite fun to have a go. Our program script only had one or two words that came up red, but we ran a random press release through it and 21 words got the chop. A sea of red. This Working Life is produced by the straight shooting Maria Tickle, whose forte is thinking outside the box. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next week, keep working. Two little ducks. Quack, quack. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.